a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. I'm your host, Alan Mead. I'm a dentist, podcaster, and egg collector. Uh, Before I introduce my co-host today, I just wanted to say thank you very much to Premier Dental Products, uh, Inspired Solutions for Daily Dentistry. We're going to talk a little bit about that later in the show, but Premier has stepped up. They're supporting the show, which means you guys need to go out and support them. So thank you very much for that, Premier Dental. And I'd like to introduce my co-host. You've heard her a million times on the Dental Hacks podcast, probably our favorite third wheel, if you will, Dr. Don Kulingowski. Don, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you today, Alan? I'm good. Does it bother you that I just called you a third wheel? <laughs> no, I'm used to being a third wheel. Yeah. I've always been awkward. Is that right? Good. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, awkward is where I'm comfortable at this point in my life. You know, awkward is... <laughs> I, I, I spent my entire college career being awkward and then sort of owning it at the end. And then I started drinking. And then it, and then it all, all the, wheel, the wheels fell off after that. So I was... I was I was uh, I was comfortable with awkward before I started drinking, and then I got comfortable with awkward after I stopped drinking. So it's sort of a one of those things. I don't know. Maybe there's. Do you something think the about... comfort was real? Was it real comfort? No, it was. Uh, yeah. You know, it was. It was. It was. Uh, I I identified as a weirdo. I wanted people to think I was yeah. a weirdo. That's what it was. You know, mm-hmm. so, because I was <laughs> because I wasn't really. I didn't really have anything else like that. So I had to sort of. Okay, so I went to Miami University for undergrad. Which, I think, which is not Miami. I, no. I only <laughs> yeah, it's it's outside of Cincinnati. It's the Miami River Valley. Interestingly, the, the the Miami, Florida, was actually named after the Miami River Valley, which was named after I believe uh, a Native American tribe. I, I should know these things as a Miami alum, but anyhow, Miami University is a state school, and uh, when I was there, they had like a two percent minority uh, student level. So Miami University. Uh, mm-hmm. Love the place, but I have to say it was probably the whitest place on earth. Well, that's uh, Ohio in general. Isn't yeah, it? maybe, but but I mean, like state schools that like now, I'm sure that it, I mean they probably can't be like that. In any case, I, I don't mean to go into any kind of a rant, but <laughs> so so what what it was was I mean it was like lots of people were in fraternities. Uh, it, it was it was like, you know what white no. people like that was my university. Yeah. So I I definitely uh, I was and it was real conservative as a state school goes. It was really really conservative so um, i went to a catholic university and i remember the girls the first year of uh the freshman year of college almost all the girls on my floor in the dorm joined this one sorority Mm -hmm. and i remember hiding in my room like (laughs) like like i would just shut the door i did too and lock it and but i could hear them out there and they would like sing songs and do hand claps and i remember i was how old like 18 Mm -hmm. and i'm like we're doing hand claps like I hadn't done those since I was in the second grade. It was not. It, it definitely that fraternity sorority thing was not for me. Well, it wasn't for me either. And that was an. I mean, like there was a lot. A lot of my friends were fraternities, and I don't even know why my parents were in fraternities. I don't. For whatever reason, I I felt like I had to be. Like I, I like was super proud of the fact that I was different than these other silly white nah. people. And so, like I I was the I wore hiking boots and flannel, and I was pretty crunchy. Uh, I was. Which is sort of funny. Like it was uh, the environmental movement was a little bit. I, I'm not going to say it was better. It was, but it was not as. It was not as. It was more out there to be sort of like into 
the environmental move. I was definitely into like backpacking and hiking and that sort of thing, which is cool. It was, it, I mean, those are all good things, but it was more about making sure that everyone knew I was different from there. That I was that I was you know, <laughs> that I was not a fraternity guy. That I was, you know, the other thing is all you had to. I was in the marching band. I was a nerd. I was, you know, I I didn't need that to show everyone I was different. I was, I like yeah, I said, I was, I was born kinda, awkward. Yeah, yeah, the marching band kind of yeah paints the picture. It yeah. does. All that Miami's marching band. Uh, Actually, had I had I just been, uh, I, maybe some of my marching band friends are listening, and I can say this right now. Had I just been like okay with the social aspect of that, I could have I could have melded into them because they were they were marching band people. They were great. You most of them were really smart. Most of them were really nerdy. Uh, they, well, I will say this: they they were talented exactly. Yeah. And I somehow or another, I I wanted to them to know that I wasn't really one of them either. So I. I've been an odd duck. I was bound to have troubles with drugs and alcohol for sure because I just somehow had to. I don't know why I felt like I had to make such a statement in this way. Says the guy who hmm. has two podcasts. So, <laughs> <laughs> in, in any case, but I don't think that it's necessarily unhealthy to not want to be identified with the group. Yeah, I think that's probably right. It it is funny, right? Like like it's easy to be a joiner. You know, like it's easy to. How is it? Because I've never been. I've never been good at it. Well, I'm not any good at it either. But but you'll notice lots of people that I I know and respect are are kind of okay. So, um, in dental school, I remember uh, ASDA, the Student Dental Association, yes. like yes. like like they drove people to be part of that, which is a feeder group into into organized dentistry. And so there's always a. I mean, I've been a member of the MDA, ADA forever. My dad essentially brought me into that early on i don't really have any big beef i'm not sure the the, the huge benefit that we get from it they, they they always talk about a huge benefit but it's the problem is is like i think it's going to be a harder sell for younger people but that's a joiner thing right i mean like you oh yeah it, but how about probably the ultimate joiner thing and i say this as a upcoming speaker at the dense place their world but like what about serac you know what about when you join the oh. serac i mean I, well, I mean, I've told you already, I, I, Syrac, it's more than a machine. It's a cult that goes with it. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's it definitely, is. there's it's Kool-Aid, weird. there's Kool-Aid to be drank. And, and it's, I, lots of my friends are Syrac people and I love them. So. Oh yes, I would agree. I, we have a lot of the same friends, but and okay. yeah, I love them. I don't, I, I don't criticize them for that. It's not that it's just that I see those meetings and the way it, it is. It's a cult. It's weird. Well, then Sirona world is clearly the biggest, best party in dentistry and, um, and Syrac there's there's a part of the Sarek like people that that I think like being part of that group, and I have no problem with that. But it is it's one of those things where it's like you definitely identify yourself with with a group, you know, and you definitely have a, a and that's it's totally cool. I will say, what's funny is now that lots of other digital systems are coming onto the market and are getting easier to use and stuff, they are going to probably lose a little bit of grip there because they were the only for for. 10, 15 years, they were the way to do digital dentistry. And now there's so many different ways. So it's interesting to see that, you know, what kind of pivot do they have to make now that they aren't necessarily the only game in town? They're still the biggest game in town on that for sure, but that's not, maybe isn't going to be forever. It's interesting. But are you going to join the cult? Don't you have, you have to buy a machine. No, I actually, I actually have, I actually have, (laughs) I actually have another, I have a 3M TrueDef scanning machine. So, Uh, so I mean, I might actually be excluded from the cult by saying this publicly. I may be uninvited, but I'm not actually speaking about anything from 3M. I'm speaking about, um, actually I can give, I can give a preview. I shouldn't, but I'm gonna, I, um, I realized that, um, (laughs) the first email address I ever got 
coincides with, in retrospect, the first time that I, I actually had a problem with drinking. Oh, so no. like these two things, these two things like sort of came, like I started dental school and got like my first official email address in dental school. And that's when I started realizing that I was using alcohol as a coping mechanism. So it was kind of the start of my addiction. So I'm, I'm making my presentation is um, emails from my addiction. Uh, oh, I'm, I love that. I, so it's I realized just like I, I had been planning on doing this for a while. And then I realized why it why it rung so true for me is because I, I literally think I got. I started to, to use drugs and <laughs> drugs and alcohol in a, in a scary coping way just about the same time I got my first email. So I thought that'd be interesting. So we're, I'm, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and make it light. I don't want to make it really heavy. It is awkward to talk about drugs and alcohol and addiction in Las Vegas, right? I mean, like. <laughs> oh, I remember when you said you were asked. We were dying because didn't aren't you doing it at some odd time of day? Yeah, yeah. Like oh, yeah. ten it's, at night. I, or I, I, I no, it's it's not. I thought it was. It's not. It's oh. not. It's not as bad as that. Like ten at night. I'm like, yeah. There's gonna be like, like two yeah, people there. No one will be sober. <laughs> exactly. If they're there at all, they won't be sober. Well, but the that. other thing is, the other thing that's you know, like when you think about gambling problems, are just as much of an addiction as anything oh, else. And and I mean, <laughs> quite literally, there will be slot machines outside the door of wherever it is. I'm like, oh yeah. It's it's I I I find it an interesting cognitive dissonance. Dissonance. I'm okay with it. Actually, it'll be fun. That is interesting. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing at Dens Ply Serona World. I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And Mike Detola invited me, and I could hardly say no. The guy, like, basically, you know, he's he's really supportive of the whole podcast thing. So it was it was pretty cool. I'm excited. To, I'm excited to do that. That is cool. Yeah, definitely. So okay, I wanted to talk. I have several things that I want to talk to you about. Um, I got the first one though is because you and I, I think had maybe similar um, experiences in dental school. Yeah, so, you know. The, my dental school experience started to bubble up when you were talking about undergrad and not being a joiner. Yeah. Because when I left undergrad, I really only had like one friend in undergrad. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, I, I'm trying to think when I left undergrad, seriously, the only person that I still spoke to after six months was this one person um, who incidentally, I think now has a substance abuse problem. We don't really talk at all. <laughs> <laughs> Because, because yeah. I can't, you know what I mean? Like, because I can't, in, in the condition that that person is in, I can't really have a conversation with sure. them. You know what I sure. mean? Um, but <clears throat> I remember leaving undergrad because I remember, you know, I grew up in a small town. I grew up in Ortonville, which is barely a town. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a town now than it was when yeah, I was there. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. But um, so I, your exposure to things was very limited. And, um, and there was no internet, really. There was no internet. Yep. Nope. Internet became a thing when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, there was, you know, the other kind of hick kids I grew up with. And uh, most of the kids I grew up with, they weren't they weren't interested in studies or books or any of the things that I was interested in. Music, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I don't mean music like playing in the band. I mean, like I was really into classical music. And so I was like a freak in my town, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and I don't mean that like I wasn't ostracized, but. Um, but I didn't really make a lot of friends and I didn't really know a lot of people. Same thing from uh, high school. I have like two friends that I actually still talk to, but that's because I believe we are soulmates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, were, we were the odd ducks put in that environment. Sure. right? So when I went to college, I was like, oh, well, this is it. This is where the other smart people are going to be. This is where the other people who actually like to read a book are going to be. And that didn't prove to be true. No, that's right. And so when I left undergrad and went to dental school, I'm like, well, this is it. <laughs> I've really found it this time. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be it. And then that that wasn't it either. In fact, it was probably less it than any other environment I had been in. So um, 
at that point in life, I realized that I just had to accept that, that it's not really about finding your group. It's about finding yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I kind of made a shift in my thinking. Would you say, I, ironically, once you really have an understanding of yourself better, the, the group sort of shows up, though? Oh, yes. God, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That's it's like, yes, it, it's so like right it shows up yeah. as soon as you stop trying so hard is what it is. Sure. Yeah. Before it, it, um, what is that saying? What you seek is seeking you. Yeah. But <laughs> but you have to kind of let go of looking. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. I mean, I would say that there's there's a fair amount of that almost in a lot of things. I mean, like <laughs> I I, it's, I had a different experience. Like I am still tight with a lot of my friends from different eras of my life. And Facebook has been nearly perfect for that. Facebook, I say, makes high school reunions completely useless. Like, oh, yeah, that transition happened. I planned my my high school's 10 year reunion and mm -hmm. I don't even know how that happened because I was cause I'm the only organized one. But um, I planned the 10 year. Well, when the 20 year came, it was so much easier for the 10 year. I was like looking for people on yeah. the Internet yeah. today and calling people and going, have you heard of for this person? And do you know where they are and whatever? And And then Facebook came in the middle there somewhere. And the next time it came around, somebody put a post on Facebook and said, let's meet at the boat bar. Mm hmm. And, and there was our reunion. I was like, See, God, I, what? the reality is, and that's how reunions should be. I planned my 20 year and it was, I, it was, I think we had, we, Facebook was just starting to be a thing at my 20, 20 year it would have been what? 2009. So it was, it was around. I don't, I think it was pretty early it wasn't on. Super popular with no, it, it wouldn't have been easy, yeah. but, but I mean, like I'm never planning that again. That's first. I wasn't the class president. I, but I got no, picked because, I. because I was, I was a local, I think is what we had. So a few locals. Uh -huh. And I had help from people that I actually didn't know very well in in high school that turned out to be awesome. Like one of them was an event planner. I'm like, hey, there you go. <laughs> but anyhow, so, so I did it and it was great and everything. But I also was like, I mean, there's a lot of now I don't I can keep track of all my friends just on Facebook. Like you get yeah, together and explain really what need, you've been doing for the last yeah. 10 years. You don't need to. You can literally message them or yeah. or have a group or whatever. So it's it's. It's less about the whole reunion. I mean, it's less about the whole reunion thing and more about just keeping I mean, sometimes just FaceTime is nice. But shoot, I don't even know what we'll do for our 30. My sister, who's two years older than I am, is going to her 30. Uh, like, I think she went last night, actually. And oh, wow. so ours is coming up in a couple of years. And, and any any of my classmates that are listening to this, I'm not planning the next one. I would you consider buying like a I ticket. Said, I mean, yeah. that worked out so great. That guy, he did. I mean, he or if I am, it's just going to be at the Facebook. bowling alley. Yeah, it's going to be at the bowling alley, and that's what we're doing. Uh, pick a local place. We had more mm -hmm. fun there than we ever had at any. You know what I mean? Like it was just nice. And to it was be it'd be cheaper too because like I put totally, I put yes. something on that was that was it was nice, but it, you know it was thirty forty bucks a ticket, and everyone, yeah, and everyone's like, yeah, it's too I much. Did. You, you know, had to rent a hall, and yep, yeah, yep. yeah, it's too much work. But I, I do. I feel like Facebook has sort of has sort of killed that, or, or made it much easier and but much less formal. Because frankly, For sure. it's not going to be a shock to you know that the class president has seven kids and and you know that sort of thing. So oh, the breeding. Yeah, I mean it's but or, or whatever, but whatever whatever it is <laughs> no, that I you know, would learn I, every I, ten years or so, it's like that's that's just kind of that's kind of everyone sort of knows it from Facebook or whatever. For so. sure. Um. I, do your, does your dental school ever have class reunions? They, they do, and they had one this year. And I have a bunch of friends from dental school. I didn't go. I, it do was you? it was it was it was right. It's the same time as the Michigan meeting. I was I had to speak at the Michigan meeting, so I couldn't go. Uh, okay. But I mean, I, I don't I, think my classes ever had a reunion, and if they did, I wasn't invited. <laughs> well, but <laughs> but you went okay. So it. you went to the University of Detroit Mercy, right? I did. Okay. Yes. So, I went there for undergrad and for dental school. Okay. Okay. So. 
<laughs> so, but they typically have reunions around the same time as the Michigan Dental Association meeting, right? Isn't that kind oh, of maybe, when they do maybe it? Maybe they do. I don't know. Honestly, Jay, when the when the magazine, I mean, this is how bad, I, I, I think I've worked through a lot of my but then like when that magazine comes, the alumni magazine from the dental school, yeah. Jay doesn't even give it to me. He throws it away yeah. because he knows that it's going to like raise my blood pressure and get me. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting because. So I don't even see it. So if there was one coming. I, I wouldn't have seen it. Now, the undergrad one, I don't have those memories from undergrad. I think my undergrad experience was completely different than the dental school one. Okay, hang on a second. I have to do this. It's time for Dental School Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm insanely proud of that, so I have to use it. <laughs> Um, is I, you laughing? Oh yeah, that, oh yeah, baby. Oh, oh yeah, amateur oh, sound no. engineer over here. Yeah, you know it. So that I just, I want to, I want to. So you went to the University of Detroit Mercy, and you were <laughs> g- give us, give us an era, give us an era. The Don Kuhlengaus. I graduated era. from dental school in two thousand two. So from okay. ninety eight to two thousand two, okay. I was at the University of Detroit Mercy's dental school. Now okay. undergrad ninety four to ninety eight, okay. I lived on campus at Six and Livernois, and that was a completely different experience. It, I would say it was a positive one. Mm-hmm. You know okay, so, I mean? like, so, so, okay, so, so for people who aren't from Detroit uh, or the metro Six area, is really a bad neighborhood. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. University of Detroit Mercy uh, undergrad is in kind of a rough part of town. It's in a rough part of town. I learned a lot of lessons the hard way, um, but not the hardest of ways. I will yeah. say that you did survive. Um, but, so there's that. No, I did survive. Yes, but I, I learned things like um, that you don't pet the puppy. You know, like, I, but I was from Ortonville, and yeah. I, and I mean it when I say my parents like. My, my mom grew up in Detroit, and I don't think she thought anything of it. Like, sure. they took me to school, and they dropped me off. I mean, I didn't even have a car my first year of school. Mm-hmm. And um, your your campus, it was like, I don't know how big it is. I'm going to say it's three blocks by three blocks kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And it does have a wall around it, a literal wall. It's yeah. not even a, you know, it's not a fence. It's a wall. And um, and then there's gates. But um, so I, for that first year, like I said, I didn't have Sounds a car. Sounds kind of Game of Thrones-ish, actually. I kind of like it, that. Well, it has to be. I mean, that neighborhood has... It's sad, yeah. really. Yep. But we didn't walk like we would walk across the street. There was a liquor store across the street called the Pied Piper, and um, I don't even know if it's still there. But they would they would sell to any minor. Oh, perfect. Which is not uncommon. I, it, not uncommon in those kind of neighborhoods. I don't sure, think. Sure. Um, because we used to go to bars that would serve us too down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But um, so I I didn't know. I only knew Ortonville where there wasn't really a stoplight where you walk across a crosswalk. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that was not something I had done ever. (laughs) So, (laughs) so my parents just dropped me off. There were no instructions given, but I learned quickly. Like I didn't go, um, after the first term, I think I talked my parents into, you've got to let me have a car here Mm -hmm. because I can't, you can't can't, go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. It was awful. So, um, after I got my car, I realized that I couldn't grocery shop at the local grocer, which was only about, it was, uh, it was at six in Livernois, the school, so sure. seven in Livernois, there was a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I learned not to go there um, because I would get harassed. I would get followed around the store by men. You know, like it was mostly like, that was the main theme of the harassment is that I was, you know, a thin blonde woman mm-hmm. in a place where there aren't anyone. There's no they one else. didn't resemble like you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so I didn't do that. And the same with the pet, the puppy. There was a man who was walking a little puppy. Um through campus. Yeah. And I remember I ran down the stairs and started petting the puppy. And then he started talking to me and I was like, Oh God, yeah. <laughs> a, a grievous, egregious error. It's sort of like he baited the hook for you. Actually, oh, that's what the, they do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I realize that now, but I didn't know that then. 
you know, so yeah, I learned a lot about living in that environment and, um, and functioning there. Mostly you need a car and you got to drive North. Yeah. So once you got a car, did you find yourself spending time in, in suburbs, different parts of, you know? Oh yeah. What I would, once I had a car, I would do all my grocery shopping in Royal Oak, which is actually where sure. I ended up getting an apartment. Yeah. Um, when I went to dental school, okay. the dental school campus now is in a different place than it was when I was I know. a dental I, student. Which, I can tell you a little bit about that campus. Oh, I can tell you something about it too. Yeah. Um, one is that I think they were only at the campus that I was on. It was a brand new building. It yeah, was beautiful. It was like six years or something. It was like almost no time was, at all. Yeah. It was very little. I think it was like five, six years. And then they moved again. So, um, I don't know how much money they wasted on that endeavor. I, I try not to think too much about it, but I will tell you that the new dental school, once you get inside, is a wonderland. It's really, really nice. It's, oh, I mean, really? It's, I it's, a renovated, it's a renovated hospital. And so they've got like yeah. two or three floors renovated. It is, I mean, as, as a, I mean, all the dental students are happy. All the, I've never seen anything like it. Like it's, it's like, it's like I, I did. I, I've, I've lectured there twice and, um, like Are you I, sure they weren't just happy to see a friendly face? No, I I think it was. I I mean they they have like high security there. And the first time that I lectured there, a car was stolen out of the parking lot of the yeah, of, of the dental stuff, school. So when I was an undergrad, that stuff happened all the time. Yeah. Like, and I two two people that were in the same uh, class as me in undergrad were shot. Oh my god. to tell you about something that I really love. When I walk into the operatory and I'm going to do like a crown prep or a filling or something like that, and I see that the assistant has laid out little envelopes with my disposable burrs, just exact ones that I want every time. They're all brand new, fresh. They're all sterile. God, I love that. Now, I've been using disposable burrs for a long time. I just, well, for the last couple months, started using Premier Solo Diamonds. They're disposables. They come pre-packaged, pre-sterilized. They have a million different kinds. They have every shape you could ever want. And you know what's really great about them? Besides the fact that they're incredibly sharp, they're super easy to use, they're really well packaged, they're less expensive than the other guys. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, I switch brands because of their quality, but then, like, lo and behold, checking out in the catalog, they're less expensive for crying out loud. So Premier Dental has come through again. They have a ton of products that I use. They have a ton of products that you already use. I guarantee it. But uh, you probably didn't know about their disposable diamonds. So Solo Diamonds. Unbelievable. Super sharp. Really nicely packaged. You should go try them. Go check them out. They're Premier Solo Single-Use Diamonds. Premier Dental Products. Inspired solutions for daily dentistry. So, I mean, that wasn't... One kid was beat up so badly that he spent a couple... uh, he spent at least a good week in the hospital. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, it's just, I, it, it is, it, like I said, it's culture shock if you're not used to it. Now, dental school, we were at outer drive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not as, it, it, the, that's yeah, the, not, the, like, the six or eight years that they were in that other school, it was, it was a different thing. And then they literally yeah, have moved, like they've moved back into a really rough part of town now. It's, oh yeah. It's, they're it's, down, but yes, yeah. it's, but like I said, once you get inside, the building itself is amazing. I just, I just would, I can't imagine anyone choosing to, I don't know, it's, you're making a choice and most people commute from a distance like you did. I'm well, sure they, they find a place yeah, to live that that's the thing. Nice. I got an apartment in Royal Oak mm-hmm. and I drove, Yeah. Um, but, it, and it's not that far. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I mean, you get on the highway and you're there in 10 minutes Yeah. and then you go home someplace that is, you know, quiet at night. Yeah. That's, but, um, go ahead, the I'm thing, sorry. the, 
the thing about choosing to go to a school in a place like that is that I will say that, you know, despite the the braggadocious behavior I see from people who went to the University of Michigan, the, those of us who went to the University of Detroit left with a lot of experience mm-hmm. that you're not getting in Ann Arbor. You know what I mean? Like Ann Arbor is a really wealthy town. Mm-hmm. And so um, as far as what the what your pull is to your clinics, we had tons of patients. Mm-hmm. We had patients coming out the years. Did, you know, here's like the I, thing. At, at Minnesota, it was real. Okay, so I went to the University of Minnesota, and Minnesota was in Stadium Village. Uh, University of Minnesota Dental School is right in the middle of campus. It's it's uh, relatively safe. Um, you can, you know, from the higher floors of the building, that the the Moose Tower that the dental school is in, you can see downtown Minneapolis across the river. It's it was not like that. I mean, there were some panhandlers and stuff, but it wasn't like it wasn't like University of Detroit, not even close. My experience was that um, you really had to be devoted to the idea of being a patient at the dental school to make it work. <laughs> like, like yes, uh, no, that, because it's three hour appointments. Yeah. you got to go sixteen times yeah. to just get your exam done. But here's the thing: when you're someplace like Detroit, you have a population of people that don't really have other options. Mm-hmm. Was it cheaper to go there? That's the question. See, oh, God, at, at yeah. University of Minnesota, it was arguably not that much better of a deal. That's what I, my friends and I was like, man, you'd think they would make it a little less expensive. It wasn't well, as expensive as going, you know, to a, a but it wasn't like significant. Like it wasn't it needs to be like a third to make that work or That's something like that. You know what I mean? pretty much what the ratio was. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty much what the ratio was at U of D. And then we were a Medicaid provider. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of people, and it, this was in the days when Medicaid did pay for dentistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> we used to, more than just extractions, right? So most of our patients had Medicaid. But the dental school um, would also be a good place to do that because you'd have a lot of providers. Like you say, you have a lot of people mm-hmm. that have the time to do it. It's, it's sort of, it seems like a perfect match, right? It does. It does. But, you know, the bad experience I had in dental school didn't have anything to do with the, the where the building was mm-hmm. or how shiny and new it was or... Honestly, even my other classmates, that was not the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really was the instructors and the way they treated yeah, you. Totally. And I know I think there's still, I, I, and I could be wrong, I still think there's a lot of denial in, in that. Uh, I, I've seen some of my dental school instructors since I graduated from school. And I have um, some classmates who've taught at the dental school. And I do think that there's a lot of denial about the culture that's created by the student versus instructor relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, one person, I think, I don't know if it, we must've discussed this on the dental hacks thing we because I had have, a person yeah. I went to school with who actually emailed me or she sent me, I think she texted me, but, and said, you know, she'd been teaching at the school and she was shocked by my stories, <laughs> but um, she was your classmate situ- though, right? She was, yes. But her situation was a little different than mine. Um, partly I think cause her dad was an employee of the school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah. she was still shocked to hear it. And she said that, you know, and then she told me her side of the story, which is that, you know, as an instructor, there's a lot of BS too. And that, I believe that God, I believe it. Well, yeah. And um, I, that's for sure. Especially if you're part time. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, definitely. Oh God. Yeah. You're cause you're being thrown into an environment that you're not really a part of, but there's a lot of politics that you're not. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's kind of a government job, although at University of Detroit, it's not, but it's, it's, I mean, you have to, you have to follow what the school, I mean, Every, every yeah, dentist sure does things differently. Anyhow, yeah, exactly. So just following, just sure following what they students, want. I'm sure some of those students are shady. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I'm sure there's things going on where they're trying to trick you into doing whatnot. Yeah, yep. I, I believe that absolutely. But I think that um, the the level of degradation I experienced was unacceptable on all levels. Yeah, I, agree. I agree. I do. I mean, it's seriously like when I think back on it, I'm like so angry. And I remember, um, 
I used to work in a factory in the summers for my dad. And I say like I worked in the factory. I, I was like, I made coffee and copies. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I was an office person. But um, the factory environment was actually much kinder to me. <laughs> than dental school was. <laughs> than dental school was. Nice. And, um, but because no one was like yelling at me or, you know, saying really unkind things or trying to make me feel like a big pile of crap. Yep. And that's, and, and that really did feel like the goal. And I don't know if that's something wrong with dentists as people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Cause obviously, you know, where I sit now, I think, well, anyone who would treat a young person who's hungry to learn the way I was treated by some of those people, there's something really wrong with them. Yeah. But at that time, I wasn't developed enough to realize that it was their problem, not mine. And then the other thing is because of the way you you're you're at their mercy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I need your signature. So I guess I have to stand here and be berated until you're ready to pick up the pen. Mm-hmm. So you weren't in really a position where you can remove yourself and go, God, this guy's an a- he must have, you know, four ex-wives that hate him. You know, like you can't really even enter that. No, place. no, it's you, you. You have to come up with defense mechanisms, whether they're whether it's putting yourself on a sunny beach or I, I've talked about this multiple times. My defense mechanism was being the world's biggest kiss up. Um, uh, like like when I wasn't second year, I fig- I figured that out once we started in clinic. Uh, second year, I I I was scary. There were people that were like if we had to come in after after classes to work on lab stuff. People didn't want to be around me alone because I was so I was unstable. To, like like everything was the worst thing that could happen. It, oh no! I, I mean, it was I I had no coping mechanism. You didn't have any and, control. No, yeah. and second year second year was like, and they could it was like sharks smelling chum. You know, I just as soon as they realized that the one kid was really panicked and worried, man, some of those instructors would just pounce on you too. They oh just yeah, it. for sure. And like I, no one, all they had to do, and if there's any dental students listening to this, especially if you're like having a hard time with the hand skills, I did fine with the academics. I mean, honestly, I, I'm really good at memorizing stuff. Academics were never really the thing. It was, it was a grind, but you, you dealt with it. But if you've never done the stuff that they're asking you to do in dental school, there is no reason that you should be good at it right at first. <laughs> Like so true. Like, like That's why, why like, you're there is like, to learn to become better at the it. The very yeah. first time you dropped a box for a for a class two amalgam on a typodont, they graded you as if this was your final practical to graduate from dental school. And why right. why is that even fair? Why why would why, my my best friend and I? Why don't they give us three hundred teeth and say go f- about two hundred and fifty of these up and then we'll talk? You know, like why why don't right. they do that? But they won't. They won't do that. They so so in other words, some some people naturally were able to handle that better than others right off the bat, right? Some people had hand skills that were just more developed, maybe genetically, or maybe maybe they tied flies, or who knows, right? Right. And some yeah. people like me really didn't, and so I felt horrible about everything because I was I was slow picking up the hand skills. I really was. Um, but but no one ever pulled me aside and said, listen. You will learn this stuff. This stuff you can learn. This stuff. This doesn't mean that you're. You're. This doesn't mean that you'll never be a good dentist. I honest to God think there are still people who believe that the kids who didn't do well right off the bat in in preclinic are not good dentists because that's stupid. I mean, like, is there any skill that you have that you were good at right away? It makes no sense. No, you're right. It doesn't make sense. So, but I, you're right. That is, and that's how, how they. Judged. That's how I, they teach. That's how they judge you. They judge you harshly from the beginning. I felt like I had more trouble with like just the once we got into clinic and I'm with you on the schooling part, like the the book part, it was heavy. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot more of it than yep. I had experienced yep. in the past. But I had become such a whiz at, OK, you know, 10 o'clock the night before 
pack it all in. I'm so glad you, you know say I mean? that because yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I have friends who actually were. I survived. I have friends that actually studied all the way along. They did it so that they didn't have to do that. I I never once knew anything about that. I still to this day don't know much about not cramming. I'm terrible. I hear you. Well, because I got away with it so many times, right? I mean, yes. If it, well, and if it's a memorization course, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it better than that. Mm-hmm. Now, there are courses that are not memorization. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. are things where you're learning ideas, and that you might want to spend more time with. But mm-hmm. when you're just memorizing terminology, yeah, I don't think there is a better way than ten o'clock the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's for me. You know, again, everybody learns a little differently. I didn't have that. wasn't what was that wasn't what damaged me <laughs> emotionally. What damaged me was when we got into the clinic, the actual clinic situation, the hoops you had to jump through yeah. and the asses you had to kiss and the abuse you had to take mm-hmm. to get to, you know, just again, to get that signature on your paper. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it, t- it was inhumane. It was inhumane. I agree. Um, I remember like the first time I had a total meltdown. And the thing is this, the meltdown is never about the incident immediately proceeding, mm-hmm. right? The meltdown mm-hmm. is about... The- the three weeks of incidents prior sure and now this, right? So one of my first patients in the clinic was a mentally handicapped adult. She was, I think she was 35 or 36. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, uh, God, nice, nice lady, but she was, she was mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, her, her ability to function was low. Mm-hmm. So she was a lot of work. It was, it, we, we had to do a lot of, it was almost like working on a little kid. You had to like bait her with things. I'll sure. bribe her things. And you know what I mean? Like, so we'd get through, well, I had to make her a bike guard and in, in the person in me now goes like, she's going to wear it, yeah. but what, you know, like, like whatever, but I had to make her a bike guard and, you know, making a bike guard now, I, I'm not really even involved. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like well, you're, <laughs> I don't you're technically, you're technically in the office away. somewhere. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. But, um, they, in school, it was beyond just taking an impression. You had to like build the thing. Yeah. So I remember I had been working with one instructor who had, who was teaching me one way to do it for like the previous three appointments. Yep. And then this particular clinic day, that person wasn't there. Oh no. And, yeah, I know. Yeah. So there you go. So I had to go with someone new and someone new's like, Oh no, this is all wrong. You have to start over. And I'm like, but you, but my patient is mentally, you know, you would try to reason with them and, and bring them around to maybe helping you. And instead, there was just always a firm no. So I remember, like, I I started crying. And I won't cry in public. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't doing mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I remember I went in the bathroom. And it was only getting worse. Like, I just felt like I was losing it. Mm-hmm. And I so I, I didn't know where to go. I'm like, where is the safe place? And I had uh, my advisor in dental school was a man named John Molinari. Oh, God. Who's, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Who's a wonderful human being. He is thank a good God. guy. Okay. So, so I remember I, I, I like ran out of the clinic and up the stairs to Dr. Molinari's office and I sat there and I remember he was so kind to me, like got me some water and he's like, let me go, let me, let me take care of this. And he went down and he talked oh. to the instructor Yeah. and he said, you know, he's like, you know, she's upset and blah, blah, blah. And that instructor then did come around and help me get through it that day. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, now there's this thing. <laughs> She lost her shit. Yeah. Now she's a moron. Yeah. But um, that instructor. I never, actually, I never, like, like I lost my shit so much up to that point that everyone just saw me coming and wondering, you know, when's it going to happen? You know, when, like, like, because, you know, I never was violent or anything like that, but I was unpredictable to say, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. No, I hear you. Yeah. You'd fly off the handle. Well, and I, 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 I wasn't, a lot of times, like I said, by the time clinic came around, 
I just would make sure I knew who I was working with as early as I could know. And there were right. times when I would call the patient and tell him I was sick or something like that at the last minute. Oh, no. The, well, yeah, because if because you knew that the, the, the instructor was going to do exactly what this instructor did to you. Mm-hmm. So everything was done in self-defense. It was just survival. Oh, you know, I just, get that. Like, so then you'd run into a, some instructors that were really good, kind people that wanted you to learn. And I was so, like, survival mode that I never took advantage of the fact that these people really, really wanted me to do well and didn't, they weren't going to hold me, to, they weren't going to be mad at me if I didn't do something right or if I didn't do the right paperwork or, I didn't even know. I didn't, I mean, I just, oh. I just was, was trying to survive. So, like, the trick with me is when I knew someone was working with them, I'd make sure, I'd reach into my bag of tricks and. Uh, one guy was really into computers, so I'd make sure I had my laptop sitting out. No one had laptops. Yeah. There. Or one guy was into fly fishing, so I, I would I would like literally just ask him about the last fishing trip he took and blah blah blah. One guy, you know, I literally and, and I mean that is that's ass kissing at at a at a really high level. But it, I have to tell you, it takes a lot out of you to it kind does. of to it's try to, to keep it up because you're hoping it's that so they don't training. actually look into what you're actually doing. Oh my god, it was, yeah, uh, I'm I'm like exhausted just thinking about it. And I remember living that way for a long time. Oh yeah. You know, practice is like that. I have to tell this story, but as far as the draining and the trying to find a useless conversation to make with people, oh my that, God, you, yes. that you can you can do that with patients too. I, I've detached from a lot of that, but mm-hmm. um, either it's sincere or it's I'm not bothering. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. But um, I I told this story in my office the other day because this doctor called my office and and all the memories came flooding back. One of my instructors, my mom was one of my patients in dental school. Mm-hmm. God God love her, right? She did this to help me, you know? Yeah. So she's in the clinic. She has to have number 14 extracted. My mom grew up one of six kids. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's all put back together again, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of damage done during those years. Sure, of course. So um, number 14 had to be extracted. Specialist is going to do the extraction, and then I'm going to do the bridge. That was the plan. Uh-huh. So the specialist, I'm supposed to assist him to do this extraction on my mom. So we're in the clinic. This specialist was like, I don't even know how to describe him. He was really strange. I, uh, he was nice. His heart was in the right place, but he's just, he's, he's different. So, um, I'm standing over, I've got the suction going and he's like, okay, I'm going to section the tooth. And, uh, again, this is number 14. So three roots. And so he sections the tooth by cutting it. Um, he basically cut the crown off. Sure. And he goes, that looked pretty textbook to you. And what am I supposed to say? I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. When really I'm like, <laughs> I have no, no idea I've what you're talking about. Taught, I've never been taught to section a tooth by cutting the crown off of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is that a technique that anyone teaches? Because I still to this day have yet to see someone do it. Not on purpose. You grab it with the forceps and it breaks off. That happens a lot. But what did you do? To, did he flat top it? Is that what you mean? He, he yes. just cut, yeah, okay. He took, the, he took a, like a 557 burr and cut it at the gum line directly across mm-hmm. so you're talking to a guy who does that whenever humanly possible by the way <laughs> you do yeah two two and millimeters i leave two out. millimeters I, you know why i do it it's because it's easier to section the roots when there isn't so much crown to section through that's all oh my god so it, 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 it was terrifying so then he sure spent, i'll bet it I, was if you'd never seen it before it, you must have no your and that's and again i maintain on your I, mom yes. no less too no and that's the thing so th- that's the, the patient being my mom is a relevant part of this story particularly later so um he can't get the root tips moving at all because he broke, he cut off his handles. You yeah. know, <laughs> what are you doing? But whatever. So 45 minutes, my poor mom is in the chair bleeding and open while this guy fiddles around doing, I don't even know what. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm just standing there. He's an oral surgeon too. No, no. Oh, okay. he was not a surgeon. So, um, that was not his specialty. 
but but should have been able to do it nonetheless. So he says to me, he after was a specialist. Like an hour, he was a specialist, you say, and he was taking yes, a tooth out. But he was, but oral surgery was not his specialty. No, he was a periodontist. Yeah, I mean, okay. I I don't think that what specialty it is has any anything no, to do. With- no, probably not. <laughs> I don't think it was that, but um, well, if he's like a, if he's like an oral radiology guy or something, I might, oh, <laughs> I might I cut him some slack. Okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah, school has all those other. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Um, he he goes. I want you to go to the oral surgery clinic and get one of the residents. Oh god. Now, so uh, to, to help him, which I I, I respect calling it a day at mm-hmm. some point, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like to tell me at that stage to go and get one of the residents from oral surgery was like, oh. I, because the residents you to the oral surgery. Yes, the residents in oral surgery were were the the hardest obstacle for me as a student, um, mostly because of the high level of sexual harassment that sure. they put. And I'm being dead serious. No, when I I, say I believe I, it. So um, I have a great story about being in an 18 hour surgery with one of them, oh my most of which was spent with my boob on his arm because that's where he wanted it. You know what I mean? Like he was that guy. He was a dick. But so I went to the to the clinic to the oral surgery clinic and I'm like, okay, resident, resident, and it's boob guy is the only one in there. And I'm like, well, here we go. So I was like, you know, my mom's in the chair and Dr. So-and-so, he can't get the whatever, blah, blah. And he's like, okay. So he, he comes over and then now I'm suctioning for him, which uh-huh. again, I still have scars from, you know, sure. 18 hours in the OR or whatever. And, um, so he starts, you know, working on my mom's tooth and I'm standing there. The other doctor left. I'm like, you don't walk away. Now nah, you kind of make sure the surgery gets done. Yeah. Yeah, but so he left, and it's so it's me and this guy and my mother, and the guy starts asking me about my underwear. Oh my um, god! Did he realize it was your mom? Yeah, he knew it was my mom. I told him it was my mom. Um, but wow. that's, but that's, that's uh, who we're. It doesn't with. matter if if it's your mom, but it I mean, like matter. that, you'd no, think that that would matter. keep him from. Yeah, that, you would. It, it makes it that much worse. Yeah, and I just remember the look on my mom's face. Like, I think my mom finally realized what I was living. <laughs> wow. I mean? like, as I'm standing there um, being humiliated uh, and, and dehumanized, I, I was like, wow, um, this is my mother and there's no more hiding what I'm going through here. Yeah. You know, like it was a really low moment. It was a really low moment. Wow. But yeah, that's, I mean, it, and I realized that the resident isn't a, an employee of the university, mm-hmm. but at the same time, yeah, I was representing oh, it. I was, well, yeah, the... I was powerless yeah. to him. There was no, yeah, I. What's really funny is I do. I mean, clearly this is another podcast in and of itself. But but like the f- being a woman in this situation is much different than being. being me it in this is situation, absolutely, and know? that's something I think that you know it probably goes un- unnoticed. They by were quick. Men. They were quick to humiliate me. Yes, they didn't want to be around me in any in any inappropriate way. They really didn't want to be around me at all. So they weren't going to do me any favors unless unless they were fly fishermen and I happen to have good fly fishing stories. But frankly, right. like it was a whole different and it was when I was in dental school too. It, it was a different uh it's a whole different ball of wax if you were a woman than a man in these situations. And that's not right sure, at all. Sure, what I think I mean, that's like, not understood now is that, you know, I, I graduated from dental school. It's been 15 years now. Okay, mm-hmm. I realize, but so 15 years, I realize, is some level of history, but it's not huge. And so 15 years ago, I experienced this horrible thing. And, you know, different as a woman is for sure something that like a lot of my male colleagues don't want to acknowledge um, because they go, well, the classes are half women. And it's like, OK, but what about the instructors, the yeah. administration, yeah. the system that's in place is very much still male. And it's still an old white boys 
it's place. Still they all are. The yeah, that's what it thing. is. So, yeah, old white so men are running. I wanted. To, I um. I had an instructor who wanted to get my intention, and I hated this guy. This guy was. It, of all the ones I hated, I hated him more than I hated that resident that made me put my boob on his arm for 10 hours. But um, just because he was into the degrading and he always smelled like liquor after lunch. Oh, great. And that, you know what I mean? So you have this disgusting old man with liquor breath saying awful things to you all afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is what we had to look forward to. But he wanted my attention. And to get my attention, he put his arm up in the air and snapped his finger. Yeah. Like it was this. Come here, girl. Yeah. You know, like it was very. It, but that's how they treated you, and you definitely got a vibe that there were some that didn't want you there, and the ones that did want you there wanted you there for the wrong reasons it's sure. because they wanted your ass, yeah, not because they thought that you were a respected colleague, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I did this 15 years ago. I have a friend, Connie, one of my closest friends. I think she's 61. Mm-hmm. So uh, she did it, yeah. She did it back in the early 80s, and mm-hmm. she was three women. I was one of 30. She was mm-hmm. one of three. Um, and, uh, her stories are, uh, they're horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, again, you know, mostly it's about people being dicks to her. Yeah. Um, now I will say Connie married one of her instructors. So I have a feeling once <laughs> that relationship started, she probably was protected a little bit. Well, do you, but um, do you also, I mean, I noticed this and this might be more of a, a, a man thing than a woman thing, but I noticed like, as soon as I graduated, uh, we were colleagues, best pals, like, like, and I'm like, dude, I can't forgive you for how you treated me. <laughs> you know, I just can't. No, I, I was yes, actually, I and, and actually that's easy for me to say, I can say that now. I'm like, I, I was, I was like in trouble getting drunk and high soon after dental school. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not proud of it. And it's actually the wussiest thing in the world, but I mean, dental school was my post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm convinced right. that no, I, I, I think I probably eventually would have fallen into drugs and alcohol anyhow, just because of the way that I am. But but, uh, but dental school started me off there for sure. And, and I mean, so in that way, yeah, my experience was such that and we had similar, but similar experiences, not identical because I think maybe our sexes had something to do, but it is funny that I think all dental schools maybe, and it's not fair. There's some people that I generally hate. So yeah, dental school is great. I loved it. it was the best time of my life. I was I'm like, who I are you? The, it was the first time I went to, uh, I think it was the second time actually that I went to midwinter meeting in Chicago. Um, and again, this is like 13 years ago. So internet, not as big of a thing. You couldn't like complete your registration online. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was standing in line. They had, remember they have the big booths oh, where yeah. you register or whatever. Oh, yeah. So I'm standing in line. I'm standing in the member dentist line and, uh, I'm with my mother-in-law. I had taken her with me. I don't remember what the circumstances were. And so she's standing there with me and this man comes up to me and he goes, you know, this is the dentist line. Are you serious? And I go, oh, dead serious. My mother-in-law was so funny. Cause, and then, and I'm like, uh-huh. And he said something about the line for staff or something is down over there. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's down the other end of the room. And I'm like, you know, that's nice. I'm in the right line. And he got a little embarrassed and walked away. Like he didn't go. He should have. Yeah. He, but it's also, but but how does anyone, how does anyone make that like assumption anymore? That's ridiculous. Because, and this is the thing, like I said, because being a woman in this profession is different. Yeah, is different. It, it is. is. And it's, it, it is. Um, and I know people don't like hearing those things cause it makes them uncomfortable, but, sure. but, but it's reality. It yeah. really truly is. I guarantee you that never happened. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> ha- it'll never happen to me. It'll never day. happen to me. Yeah. That didn't happen to any dudes that day. Well, uh, here's and one, I guess one a month ago. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. A month ago, I went on a trip with, uh, like a CE thing mm-hmm. with about 10 other doctors. I was the only woman. 
because again, I realize that dental school classes are half women now, but dental school history is not that way. So yeah. when you're out with a bunch of 50 year olds, it's going to be mostly men, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, one of the other doctors on that trip, as we were, so we, we, <laughs> we were getting ready to go to dinner and, uh, I got down to the restaurant probably a little earlier than some of the other people. And the next doctor that showed up was this guy. He's probably in his fifties. Um, and he goes, you know, my wife was really upset when she heard there was another woman coming on this trip. Oh, give me a break. Yeah. Oh God, help me. It got worse. And he goes, I was thinking that later we could take a selfie together and you know, like maybe, and he made like a kissy face at me. Like, like he was going to pretend to kiss my cheek in this picture. And I said, we're not doing that. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> but, but again, like this is, you know, I, in that group to that man, and I'm not blaming all men for that. I don't think that at all. Most of my colleagues that are my friends are men and I love them. It's not like that, but, um, to that man, I'm not a colleague. No, that's right. You know what I mean? Like that to that man, I am not a colleague. You're actually kind of, you're kind of like a, uh, you're kind of like this neat special case kind of thing or something like yeah. that, which is silly, I'm an but uh, I'm an yeah, it's, but, um, but yeah, so I don't know about that. Like once you graduated, you were colleagues. I think that's individual for me as far as that experience goes. Interesting. Well, and honestly, I, I hide from those people. Before, I hide from those people. Before we wrap, I would say this though. Do you think, does it, I mean, from what you can see, is it getting any better 15 years on or not really? Like, in other words, is, is that becoming less of a thing? Do you think do you think the oh, generation think behind you is going to? Okay, that's good. I think because some people have had to accept it. But I think that there's icky old men everywhere. Well, but, you, you know, know, the icky old men are going to die eventually. They get old and die. That's what happens. So then, you know, is, is your generation closer to accepting of that deal? Oh, I mean, God, yes. That I don't I don't get that. That kind of thing doesn't come from people my age. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I, I'm not saying I've never been, you know, flirted with or whatever, but that's different. No, than that's that. right that guy did I'm gonna, but I'm going to tell you this I'm going to tell you this it's like no offense to to you know organized dentistry and all this stuff uh, old white guys eventually have to die <laughs> so like they don't they don't live forever so that's like no that's and that's what change. I always say like when that argument comes up that because we have colleagues mostly of that generation that hear that dental school classes are half women so they think the problem is fixed and I go but you know but the, statistically as a whole the profession is still very much predominantly men mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And so that's what I always say when I'm feeling snarky about it. And I go, and a bunch of you old guys going to have to die before that number evens out. No, that's that's real, but it's also it's also going to happen. I mean, like like my dad uh, is retired from dentistry. I mean, he still he still keeps his hand in it, to be honest. But he's right. not a practice owner. He's not a and and I mean, my dad is is not like what who you're talking about. But he is an old white guy. I mean, like, and he's no longer oh, yeah. he's no longer practicing. So it, it's happening. It has to happen. And I mean, that's. I don't know. It's an interesting thing to talk about. I'm sad to hear some of your dental school stories, but it'd be interesting to talk to uh, a woman who's, you know, who's five years out to see what her experience was. It'd be interesting to hear someone from University of Detroit yeah. Mercy just for, <laughs> to keep that part the I same, would right? I would love to know. I would. I would, I would love too. to know. I would too. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, this is the first time you've been on. Obviously, you're going to be on again because we just barely got started, but this was awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alan. Of course. All righty. If you have questions or comments about this or any other episode of the Allen Meat Experience, please leave me an email, Alan, A-L-A-N, at the Allen Meat Experience. And go to iTunes or the podcast app or whatever you're listening to podcast. Leave me a review. Leave me from some stars because I am trying to get on top of the charts and I need your help. Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week.